was a good friend of mine. Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Kyle Case and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. Joining me in our studio today is my co-pilot, Lil Barron. Hi there. Lil Barron. <laughs> hey, Kyle. Lil. Yes. You're a social person. Yes. I know that you Tiny are. Tiny bit. No, yeah, no. And, and, <laughs> and that's such a great thing. It's such a great thing. We have found... Um, you know, research and just generally feeling, you know, it's social interaction is so important. Oh, absolutely. If COVID has taught us anything, <laughs> we need social yes. interaction in our lives. Even people who don't, you know, ha- socialize normally as much. Right. We, we just, we just, it's important. It is we, important. I, I'm just gonna leave it there. It's very, very important. Mm-hmm. But have you ever thought about how social interaction affects how you eat? Well, I'm sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't thought about it yet, but no. it looks like you're thinking about yeah. it now. <laughs> and I can see that. <laughs> I think Everything's we, centered around food. Yeah, I think we can all see that too. Yeah. I found an article. It's on Eat This, Not That. It's called One Effect Eating With Others Has On Your Diet. Okay. So it's interesting. It's yeah, interesting. I'm sure it is. <laughs> here's here's the scenario. Okay? okay. Just Just play this out in your mind. Okay. You go out to lunch with a few colleagues uh, from work. And they order a bunch of greasy, fat, fried gut bombs, like a really delicious lunch. A you know? delicious lunch. <laughs> but but you're trying to make healthy choices, mm-hmm. right? How hard is it to stick to your goals and not get swayed by their eating behaviors? What do you think? Well, 100% I'm <laughs> for me. But. It's 100% hard, right? Uh, yeah. So, Hello. <laughs> so this won't surprise you. But according to a new study, they say that it is actually quite hard. I'm sure. Like we think that we have this you know, yeah. internal fortitude or whatever, but no, it's, it's pretty rough. <laughs> So here's what they found. And the, the, the study itself is very interesting. Uh, it was a study that was published in Nature, Human Behavior, and it noted that unhealthy food choices are an important driver in obesity, which I think we all know. Yes. And that those who eat, those who you eat with may be just as important as the foods that you pick. Yeah. Here was the study. They looked at 3 million encounters. So it was a big study. It wasn't just like, oh, I saw two people (laughs) and it seemed like they ordered the same thing. So no, 3 million encounters where pairs of employees made food choices together. This was in 2015 and 2016 when they did it. It encompassed about 6,000 different people. So it's a a pretty extensive study. Yeah. Because And this is the other thing, too, that was interesting because all the food was bought at the cafeteria in Massachusetts General Hospital. Oh, so <laughs> maybe people that should have known better. Right. But th- this is from the Massachusetts General Hospital. And uh, it was interesting there because they labeled their food based on a, a system of healthiness. Mm-hmm. So they could say, you know, I don't know what it looked like, but right. this food is healthy. This is not so much. This is really bad. Right? right. So they knew they knew what people were buying and they were looking at purchasing behavior. So they knew when they bought it. Uh-huh. And this is what they found. This won't surprise you. <laughs> they were able to determine similarities and differences in food purchases for each pair and the data revealed that proportions of unhealthy items purchased were positively associated <laughs> among employees in other words if your buddy ordered something that was bad for him so did you <laughs> that's that's what the study says right i think i need better friends <laughs> So, so here's the thing. Uh, they also looked how much time had elapsed between mm-hmm. purchases between a pair. Mm-hmm. And they found that two people who bought food within a few minutes of each other were more likely to buy the same type of food than those who made purchases 30 minutes apart. 
Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. Now, here's the good news. Okay. There is, there some, is good some good news. <laughs> yes. The good news is that not only were unhealthy food choices affected, but also healthy. healthy food choices too. So if you hang out with people who share your desire to load up on nutritious foods, you're more likely to do that as well. So here is my takeaway. This, okay. this is what I learned <laughs> from this. This is purely me. Here's, the, here's, the, here's what I learned though. Number one, there's two things, two lessons. Number one, be the first in line. Right. Don't be, don't be like, oh, here, <laughs> step up to the counter. No, you be the first in line. Get there first. Make your order first. If you have to elbow your friend out of the way to be there first, then it's <laughs> worth it. You, you be the first in line. And then here's the second one. Be a good example, right? You be the one who orders the healthy food. And then your friend, <laughs> Lil, your friend will most likely do the same thing. Okay. I'll go right after you, Kyle. <laughs> well, don't put that much pressure on me. I, I wanted you to be the first. Wait, in line. We just went to lunch the other day and I got what you got. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And it was deep fried gut bomb. It too, was. So. It was. No, anyway. We won't do that again. It's interesting. I mean, I think we all know that food <laughs> yeah, is a very social thing, even from like babies on. Like we have a grand new babe, grandbaby <laughs> in our home. And it is just fascinating to watch everything that this little kid does because mm-hmm. he's the greatest little kid oh, in the yeah. whole entire world, of course. He is. But it's so funny. We sit down to eat and man, he is engaged. <laughs> like he's, he's ready as well, you know? you're sitting down to eat i'm sitting down to eat like it's just it's just funny you can see his just his whole demeanor changes and so we know that that food is a very social thing but this is an interesting study that really plays out i think what we suspected but i liked the flip side of it as well Mm -hmm. you know if if you're with people who eat healthy you have more of a tendency to do it as well and it's true there is something to the idea of you know maybe maybe on odd days you can be the example and on even days i can be the example or whatever it is Anyway, interesting stuff. Something to think about. (laughs) Today's guest, Lil, is Ronnie Daniel. Ronnie has been the executive director of the Alzheimer's Association of Utah for the past seven years or so. Uh, He's worked in the nonprofit field for a long time, three decades, and has brought his experience to help fight a disease which is very personal Mm -hmm. to him, having lost both a grandfather and an aunt to the sixth leading cause of death in the nation. Ronnie's also shared some incredible information in our Living Your Best Life webinar series. Mm-hmm. Uh, his presentation was called What We All Need to Know About Alzheimer's, and you can check that out at SeniorGames.net. But Ronnie, we're, we're glad to welcome you and looking forward to learn even more about this uh, important disease and how we can, I mean, deal with it, I guess. So yeah. welcome to the show, Ronnie. Yes, Thanks, welcome. Kyle and Lil. I'm grateful to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So uh, do you, are you a social leader? <laughs> Let's start. Well, I, from what you just said, I, 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 uh, I've always followed this rule. If you're going to be a sheep, be the lead sheep, you know? So, uh, hey. <laughs> so get up there and eat your alfalfa and uh, be the example, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Well, we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, Alzheimer's. Um, I, I think most of us are marginally familiar with, mm-hmm. with the disease. I think many of us, if not all of us have, connected right. in some way with it, whether it's through a family member, a neighbor, a friend, a loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very prevalent. But mm-hmm. why don't you give us just kind of a, a, an overview of what we're dealing with when we talk about Alzheimer's disease, Ronnie? Yeah. So Alzheimer's, a lot of times people uh, ask us the question, what's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? And really, it's, it's kind of a, a hierarchical thing. Dementia is a word a lot like cancer. If someone says they have cancer, the next thing we want to know is what kind of cancer they have. And what differentiates it is what part of the body is affected by the cancer. 
Um, but when we say the word dementia, it's an umbrella term like cancer. And underneath that are all different types of dementia. Alzheimer's disease happens to be the most prevalent form of dementia, which affects about 70% of all the people with dementia have Alzheimer's disease. But there's Lewy bodies, uh, dementia, there's frontal temporal dementia, even Parkinson's disease is a part of that a dementia umbrella that fits okay. in there. I didn't realize I that. Did That's not. interesting. Yeah. So Alzheimer's, you say, is the most prevalent Correct. What kind of numbers are we looking at, at least here in the United States? Yeah, in the United States, there's over 6 million people who are living with Alzheimer's disease. And, um, you know, it not only affects the person with the disease, but it also affects the family and caregivers. So of those 6 million people with the disease, there's over 16 million people who are caregivers of those individuals. And as, as you probably are aware, as the disease continues to progress, the responsibility and burden on caregivers increases significantly as they have to provide more and more of their daily activities of living and, and provide that just minute by minute care almost. Yeah. Like I said, I, I think many of us are, have a connection in, in some way, whether that's again through a family or whatever, uh, like you, Ronnie, I have a very personal connection. Both of my grandmothers uh, suffered with Alzheimer's and so did their caretakers, uh, you know, and uh, to varying degrees and, and whatnot. So um something that that can become very personal very fast and i think it's important that we understand what it is that we're dealing with and um you know like like they used to say knowing is half the battle right, right. so that's right uh, it's well and I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to talk about it on your show because one of the biggest things that we face with the alzheimer's association is just awareness about the disease mm-hmm. you know i, I, I kind of compared to cancer again you know 30 or 40 years ago nobody wanted to talk about cancer because there wasn't really a lot of treatments for it there wasn't a lot that we could do for it and alzheimer's is a lot that way today even though it's it's a very prevalent disease the sixth leading cause of death in the united states people still don't want to talk about it and so yeah. um, getting the word out making sure that people are aware of what the disease is and that there are things that we can do to make the journey through Alzheimer's uh, easier. Um, in fact, next month, we may actually hear from the FDA the approval of the very first uh, drug that can actually affect the underlying cause of the disease, this amyloid plaque that's built up in the brain. And so we're really excited about that potential announcement from the FDA, because then finally, we'll have something that we can do to actually treat the disease. There's a number of, of pharmaceutical drugs that will treat the symptoms of the disease, but as of yet, nothing that will treat the underlying cause of the disease. And this first drug might actually do that for us. It's kind of exciting. Wow. That is gigantic that is. news. Yeah, it is. I know there's been, you know, an inordinate amount of research, uh, at least a lot of research has gone into it. That's huge. I was not yeah. aware of that. So, wow, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that and yeah. hopefully sure. have a big announcement in the next month or two. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Wow. Well, in the spirit of talking about it and, you know, trying to set aside a stigma and, and you know, embrace a, a tough topic, which it is, let's talk a little bit about uh, differences in, in gender and sex. Like, how does that play out? Are men more affected, women more affected? What are we looking at there? Well, it's, it's uh, you, you might be surprised to know that women are almost twice as likely to have Alzheimer's disease as men. Wow. And I often joke by saying that, you know, my wife says that's because women use their brains more than men and they wear out faster. They just, they just there's no evidence to that that I know of, but, but yeah, I we're like not that. quite sure why women are more impacted by the disease, but after age 60, um, women are more likely to have Alzheimer's disease and breast cancer. And likewise, men are more likely to have Alzheimer's disease than prostate cancer, which are the two, two of the leading causes of cancer. 
And so it's no surprise that um, if, you know, women are also more affected on the caregiver side, you know, up to 73% of all caregivers are women as well. And so it's kind of a double whammy for ladies. And, you know, that's something that our organization really looks at and trying to, to lead the research and understanding why that might be. You know, I was at a uh, research seminar uh, two years ago that was looking at that specific topic. And they looked at things like, um, you know, uh, how, how, how long a woman had between uh, her, her first uh, period to, to the time she started menopause. And actually, they, and the study showed that the longer that time frame was, the lower the risk that a woman had of getting Alzheimer's disease. Um, they also looked at the number of pregnancies. And interestingly enough, the more pregnancies a woman had, the lower risk that she had for Alzheimer's disease. And so those are just some very, you know, initial uh, research studies that are coming out, but it's interesting to see what might actually cause, you know, we, we know that the, the, you know, biological makeup of men and women are different in a lot of ways. And this is one of them that we're really trying to figure out. It, wow. it feels like, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but it feels like it's very hormone related well, to, like to some degree. Yeah. that That's actually something they're looking at is, you know, the more, and it's, what type of hormones? So the, the, the one, the theory about the number of pregnancies, uh, actually uh, one of their conclusions was that when a woman is pregnant, that uh, her body helps to protect the fetus by sending out different types of hormone that will protect the fetus right. that actually might have a protective nature for her brain as well. And so that's one of the theories that they're looking at and doing wow. more research about. Wow. Well, I know there's a lot of research going on. And, and as you said, I mean, the, the numbers certainly justify that amount of research. And so hopefully we start to get some, right. some answers. It sounds like, boy, I'm, I'm kind of psyched about this, this uh, announcement yeah. that you said about a, a treatment that could be available just as soon as in the next few months. That's really yeah. exciting. Yeah, it's um, really exciting. So we've talked about men and women. Uh, unfortunately, women get the shorter end of the straw on that one. Again. Again. <laughs> Says Lil, again. Still. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about minorities. Is there a difference within, you know? Uh, the, yeah, the because, because you know, we know what's good for the heart is good for the brain. And, you know, if you, have a, if you have a healthy heart, your brain is more healthy. And we know also that minority populations, African-Americans, Latinos, um, have a higher risk of hypertension and heart disease. And so it would normally follow that they would have a higher risk of Alzheimer's disease as well. In fact, African-Americans are twice as likely to have Alzheimer's disease than their Caucasian counterparts. Latinos are about one and a half times more likely to have the disease. And there's a great study that just came out this year from the Alzheimer's Association looking at health disparities. And so not only are minorities more likely to get the disease, but the health disparity issue is a real one that they're also less likely to get the health care that they need to help diagnose and treat the disease. And so that's something that our organization is really uh, uh, looking into and trying to find ways of, of lessening those health disparities that are out there. In fact, we have a, a nationwide study right now. It's called the U.S. Pointer Study that is actually looking at things that can actually help reduce your risk for Alzheimer's disease. And, and we know already that some of those things are eating a heart healthy diet to go along with what you're talking about at the beginning of the show there, right. uh, but also getting exercise and getting enough sleep, um, more cognitive stimulation, even social engagement uh, will help reduce your risk. And so this U S pointer study has five sites around the United States and they are specifically looking for a very diverse 
uh, population to include in the study to try to get to the, to the root of why a minority population, what is it about their lifestyles that might be a contributing factor to uh, higher hypertension, higher, higher heart disease, but also higher rates of Alzheimer's disease. Interesting, interesting stuff. Um, man, it just, it seems like there are so many correlations, you know, right. so many correlations, both physically and medically and socially and so many things. So yeah, that's why I love to engage with you guys with the, uh, the Huntsman games, because the, because you guys are helping to accomplish many of those. Certainly you promote a healthy diet, but you're also promoting activity, getting engaged in, in sporting events and also the social aspect that is so important, you know, that uh, people who are isolated and alone are much higher risk of getting Alzheimer's disease than those who especially in their senior years are active and social in, in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you really touched on a, just a crucial uh, aspect of our mission to, to foster worldwide peace, health, and friendship. We, we just feel very strongly about those principles and mm-hmm. health is obvious. There's no question about it, but that social interaction and the friendship part is such a, a huge part right. of what we do right. as well. I, this is a question I've always had, and I don't know if you know the answer, but we talked about numbers, you know, and how those numbers seem to be going up, uh, you know, as, as we go along, are the numbers going up because we know better how to diagnose and track or so, you know, it's always been a problem and we just didn't know what to call it. Or is there something else that's going on or do you know the answer answer to that question? There's a couple of answers to that, Kyle. So um, first and foremost, it's important to know that age is the single largest risk factor for getting Alzheimer's disease. The longer we live, the more risk that we have. And so at age 65, about one in 10 people will have Alzheimer's disease. At age 85, it's about one in three. And so the longer we live, the greater that risk is. And so, you know, if we were to take a look at people who had Alzheimer's disease 100 years ago, when the average lifespan was about, you know, it was under 60 years old, right. a lot fewer people had the disease. Oh. But today, you know, for, for women, the average uh, lifespan is almost 80 years old. And for men, it's just a little bit less than that. So the fact that we're living longer, we're seeing a lot higher incidence of Alzheimer's disease and other types of dementia, simply because of that. And another reason is we're much better at diagnosing it. You know, uh, it used to be called the hardening of the arteries or something like that. It didn't, no one really addressed it as Alzheimer's disease specifically or, or dementia. And so now that we're getting better at diagnosing that, it gets more attention because of the proper diagnosis that it's received. You mentioned a few numbers there that are a little nerve wracking, uh, right? Yes. A, little, a little concerning very... the one in 10 at, at age 60. Is that what you said? Age 65. Yeah. And then 65 and then one in three at uh. age 80. That's, that's a trajectory that kind of feels like it. Boy, if you look at that curve from yeah. algebra class, it feels like that curve is really uh, increasing. What can we do to affect the trajectory and kind of flatten that out a little bit? Well, I'll go back to the, to what we just talked about. What we know from a number of studies that have happened worldwide and this U.S. pointer study that I mentioned is looking to really get more in depth in this, but it's those lifestyle intervention things that we can do. Um, you know, we call it, you know, the 10 ways to love your brain. And so I, w- I won't go over all 10 of them, but getting enough sleep, eating a proper heart healthy diet. We often point to the Mediterranean diet as, as, a, as an example of a heart healthy diet. Um, getting enough exercise. And it doesn't mean that you have to become a marathon runner. It just simply means you need to get out and, and just simply walking for 15 to 30 minutes a day is enough to get your heart rate up and to help 
reduce your risk for that. Um, being able to be in social engagement. And, and then the other part of this that's really important is the cognitive stimulation. So, you know, here, you hear ads on the TV all the time about play this game or do this thing and they'll help, help do it. And there's some truth to that, but it's really things that will cause you to have to learn new things. And so the best things you can do would be go and take a, a, a course at the you know, community college or to do a continuing education course or something like that, where you're learning new things, you're stretching your, your mind. That helps build new neural pathways in your brain, makes your brain stronger and healthier and will help fight off Alzheimer's disease easier. So there are other things like, you know, uh, stop smoking, um, protect your brain, make sure you're, you, uh, you know, uh, um, traumatic brain injuries is another high risk factor for the disease. And so if you can protect your brain, if you're cycling or, you know, I don't know how many seniors are skateboarding these days, but if you're skateboarding, uh, you know, wear a helmet, kick, you know, protect your brain and those kind of things are ways that you can reduce your risk over time. Wow. You went over just a, a number of really important ones and, and kind of just uh, glossed over them. Where can people find these 10 ways to love your brain in more detail? And, and Yeah, if you just go to our website at alz.org, um, there's a lot of great information there, not only about ways to reduce your risk, but you know, I, I'm sure a number of your listeners out there are, are caring for someone with Alzheimer's or another dementia. There's so many wonderful caregiver support tips and, and, uh, and information there, uh, education programs you can, you can follow. Um, also, if you, if you are, struggle with the website uh, for whatever reason, you can simply call our 24-7 helpline, and we have uh, master's level clinicians there that are there ready to help 24-7 to answer those questions and give you those, that information about that. And that number is 1-800-272-3900. And like I said, just anytime, day or night, 24-7, you can get someone to help you with that. Great resources. Great resources for sure. So the, the website, one more time. Is alz.org. Yeah, alz.org. alz.org. And then the phone number as well. 800-292. I'm sorry, 800-272-3900. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. About a minute left is all that we have. Um, what's the, you have a minute left. What's the one thing that you really want people to take away from what we've talked about? Well, one of the, uh, the research studies that's actually uh, been happening here in Utah is called the uh, um, uh, Sprint Mind Study, and it looks at the relationship between blood pressure and Alzheimer's disease. And normally when you go to the doctor, if your top number on your blood pressure is under 140, everybody's got thumbs up, that's good. But what yeah. the study showed is if, in the research study, if people were able to keep their blood pressure, that top number at 120 or less, they reduced their risk of mild cognitive impairment, which is sort of the gateway to Alzheimer's disease by up to 30%. So if there's one takeaway that you can take away today is go get your blood pressure checked. If it's over 120, find, talk to your doctor about lowering that, whether that's through exercise and diet or through, you know, taking uh, blood pressure medicine. Those are great ways that you can do. Plus these other uh, interventions that we've been talking about already are great ways to help reduce your risk. Wow. That's a big one. That's a little bit of an adjustment, but one that's worth knowing about. So get that that 140 down to 120. That's the number that we're now shooting for. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Ronnie, thank you. Great information. Important pleasure. Very appreciate you coming and sharing that with us today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So Lil. Yeah. That was uh, that was good stuff. Yeah, it was really yeah. good. Uh, you know, not always the easiest conversation, no. um, but important things. Very. 
So just to wrap us up here, a couple of things to keep in mind. I've been mentioning it for the past several weeks, but I want to mention it again. Registration for the Huntsman yep. World Senior Games is open. Yes, it is. So we talked about, you know, health, healthy living and finding a, maybe a, a sport or interacting or whatever. The, the games provides all of that. You can check out all of our schedules, our rules, our dates, as well as our COVID-19 plan. Mm-hmm. All of that is available at SeniorGames.net. If you've ever thought about competing in the games, give it a try. Right. We had to take a break last year. We are back. We're excited. We have almost 5,000 people that have registered already, which is on target for a tremendous year year yes seniorgames.net 35 different sports something there for you while you're there check out some of the other great content that we have mm-hmm. we've got regular health and wellness blog posts we've got access to our living your best life webinar series that i mentioned earlier in the show mm-hmm. really just a just a ton of information on how to age actively and it's all there once again at seniorgames.net remember to tune in live next and every thursday at 5 30 p.m mountain time on am 1450 or fm 93.1 for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. We take this live show and turn it into a podcast and you can subscribe pretty much anywhere that podcasts are found. If you're listening by podcast, take a moment, give us a rating, write a quick review. One of the best and easiest places to do that is at podchaser.com slash the active life. And of course, you can find this in previous shows right on our website too. Once again, seniorgames.net. Today's inspirational thought comes from the timeless philosopher Socrates. Okay. And he says, the secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but building the new. Mm. Until next Thursday, stay active. Stay active.